Welcome to the Wellness Guys Show with wellness experts Dr. Lawrence Tam, Dr. Damien Kristoff, and Dr. Brett Hill. Welcome to the Wellness Guys. I'm Dr. Lawrence Tam. I'm Dr. Damien Kristoff. And I'm Dr. Brett Hill. And this is the Wellness Guys Show, a weekly show dedicated to bringing wellness into our lives. And today, gentlemen, we have a very, very special guest. And uh, I, I, I'm, I'm excited, but I, I can hear Brett's voice very, very excited. So I'm going to let Brett introduce our, our special guest for today. Yeah, nice. I'm very excited about this interview because this is somebody, you know, I, I do spend a lot of my time uh, on the internet, you know, reading books, just researching all sorts of stuff about diet and exercise and all that sort of stuff. And uh, and one of the people who I like to follow closely is this guy we're about to introduce. Um, so his name is Rob Wolf. Uh, he's massive, yeah. particularly over there in America for those Aussies who uh, may not have heard of him or don't know as much about him. He's got a really huge, uh, he's had a fantastic book he's done. Uh, he's got a great website a great podcast that he does, um, just a huge amount of resources with some brilliant information in there. Um, so we're going to introduce Rob Wolf and, uh, and Rob, give you a chance to tell us a little bit about yourself and about your story to start with. Hey, hey guys, a huge honor to be on the show. I, I have to admit I'm feeling naked here. I'm like the, uh, I'm bringing down property values. I'm the only guy without a terminal degree in this, uh, this podcast. So <laughs> feeling really, really self-conscious right now. So uh, gosh, my, my background, I was a, uh, you know, going way back, I was a state champion, California state champion powerlifter, uh, got into kickboxing, uh, had an amateur kickboxing background. Have always been a, a consummate science geek, like like you know, part part jock, part geek, uh, but more more geek than jock, I guess. Uh, like like Brett, I guess so. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and you know, always interested in a you know a kind of alternative medicine, performance enhancing approaches. You know, just just anything was kind of fair game. And I, I did a biochemistry undergraduate degree more of a focus on like organic synthetic chemistry than, than uh, you know, more like protein fractionation and stuff like that. But was looking at medical school, looking at, at some different research tracks. And this was the, the mid to late 90s um, when, when I wrapped up my biochem degree in 98. And during this time, uh, you know, the, the kind of high carb, low fat vegetarian thing was very, very popular. I, I, I don't know that it's ever really gone out of vogue. It seems to be just as as popular now, but I, I transitioned into eating what was kind of a, a high carb, high protein kind of bodybuilder type type powerlifting diet. I, I competed in the eighty two uh, kilogram class. Uh, had a almost six hundred pound squat and deadlift, a, a three hundred fifty pound bench press at, at eighty two kilos. Could flat foot Jeez. dunk a, a, a basketball, you know, with no run up. So it's a pretty pretty right. strong, pretty explosive athlete. Uh, did well in kickboxing because of that type of stuff. And when I transitioned into a vegetarian diet and then eventually a vegan diet, it was kind of interesting. I, I did this out of a perception that this was a healthy way to eat. Also, just some, some experimentation to see how things would work. So I, I kept my caloric content at around 4,000 calories a day, which was about how much I was, I was eating as a competitive powerlifter and, and kickboxer and everything. But the macronutrients and the types of foods changed. You know, I, I ceased eating animal products, ceased eating dairy started eating lots of grains and legumes, lots of uh, uh, soy products and stuff like that. And it was interesting. I, uh, I, I call this almost kind of a, a religious conversion initially because I was so out of touch with what my physiology was doing. I, I was very quickly losing muscle mass, losing performance, and getting pretty sick uh, by the 
by the age of about 26, 27, I had ulcerative colitis so bad that mm. the doctors were recommending a, a bowel resection. I had high blood pressure, bad triglycerides, and just a host of different problems. And it, it was interesting. My, my mother had suffered from a number of problems throughout her life. Uh, we actually discovered that she was suffering from rheumatoid arthritis and lupus as, as two primary factors, which are, are some interrelated autoimmune diseases. And it was a discovery by her rheumatologist that she had a, a sensitivity to the, the grain protein gluten found in wheat, rye, oats, barley, millet, stuff like that. And she was also reactive to legumes. And it was the opinion of her rheumatologist that some damage to her gut lining was likely the causative factor in all of her autoimmune conditions. And, and when she had an autoimmune flare at, at the same time that I was quite sick, she nearly died from the, the ordeal. And wow. so it was a very serious situation. But when I was talking to my mom on the phone, she was relating the fact that these grains, these legumes, and also uh, dairy were cross-reactors for her and likely caused her autoimmune disease. And I was kind of thinking about this. And I was like, man, I've got all kinds of like gut and poop-related problems. I'm a mess. I've got systemic inflammation. I've got uh, uh, depression. And I just started ruminating on that. And I, I was kind of thinking, okay, so I'm eating a lot of grains and a lot of legumes. I wasn't eating dairy at the time because I, I was eating you know, vegan, which was no animal products. And so I was like, what would you eat if you didn't eat grains and legumes? Like what, what's left? And, you know, when did grains and legumes hit the scene? And I was like, agriculture, you know? And then I thought, okay, well, what do you eat before agriculture? And, and this idea popped into my head, paleo diet. And so I went in the house and this was like right at 1998, 99, uh, turned on my dial up, waited for the computer to boot up, you know? And, <laughs> and uh, there was this new search engine called Google. And I, I put into Google this term paleo diet, and I found uh, this guy, Professor Lauren Cordain, and I found another guy, Professor Arthur Devaney, and, and they ended up describing via this idea of like an ancestral diet or a paleotype diet, basically the, the diet that our, our you know, hunter-gatherer ancestors and pre-human ancestors ate for about three million years. And if you buy into this wacky notion of evolution and that organisms kind of adapt to the biome that they, that they exist in, that you know, we, we were very, very well adapted as hunter-gatherers to this type of lifeway and then changing away from the hunter-gatherer lifeway, becoming agriculturalists and then, you know, kind of post-industrial society and now this information age society where we're sedentary, we don't get enough sun, we don't sleep well, and we have this, this uh, uh, profusion of, you know, refined foods that seem to maybe have some damaging effects on our health. At least th this was kind of the proposition that these guys were putting out there. But it, it sure seemed to match what I had going on with health problems. And so, I mean, the long and short of it is that I, I tried eating a, a paleo-type diet, you know, lean meats, ideally grass-fed, uh, seasonal fruits and vegetables, roots and tubers, and literally within days or weeks, the ulcerative colitis resolved, depression resolved, started gaining muscle mass back, my blood lipids improved, and it was just kind of off to the races from there. And so I, I took that experience and worked in cancer and autoimmune research for about three years, using this kind of evolutionary diet template to kind of direct my, my research. And then I eventually got tired of being in the lab and of all things, I, I moved to Northern California and opened a gym, which uh, is called NorCal Strength and Conditioning. But I, I kept this evolutionary biology kind of perspective in how we dealt with our, our clients. And we pretty quickly became quite successful. We were picked as one of Men's Health Top 30 Gyms in America. 
Uh, my my blog right now gets between like one and two million unique hits a month. Uh, wow. The podcast that I have is is ranked number five on iTunes, and uh, I wrote a New York Times bestselling book. And I I don't say any of that to brag. Like I am shocked. Like when you, you <laughs> realize what an idiot I am. You, you, nobody's more shocked about it than I am. But the whole thing that's been driving this has just been. Uh, if you guys are familiar with SETI, it's a program search for extraterrestrial intelligence. Mm-hmm. It's uh, you, these big uh, dishes pointed at the sky, trying to listen for uh, hopefully intelligent, you know, information coming from the the stars. But this was kind of SETI in reverse. I started writing the blog, doing the podcast, writing the book, and sending out this information to the the world. And what I got back was at this paleo or kind of evolutionary perspective applied to sleep and exercise and nutrition was shockingly effective and it started helping a lot of people. People started comparing notes and kind of the success bred success and so I mean I've I, uh, published my book through a very small independent publisher, uh, didn't have a marketing budget at all, the whole thing was completely uh, social network driven, I don't have a TV show but my my podcast is, it, you know, keeps pace with the people who do like uh, The Biggest Loser and stuff like that. And so it, it's intriguing to me that the success to me has just been born because people are really benefiting from this and then they share the experience and it just kind of goes from there. Oh, fantastic. I, I think people need to know that you are a New York Times bestseller. The book is called The Paleo Solution, The Original Human Diet. Um, and it's great. I mean, it's a great book. And the thing is, that one of the things you talk about, like how you started was one of the things, the quick tip that you tell people is to clean out your pantry is the first thing that you do. Is that right? Yeah. You know, people are not wired up for self-control. And I I think, you know, Europe and Australia and New Zealand, you guys tend to be a lot less puritanical than Americans are. Like Americans set ourselves up for failure so much because we get in our head that, you know, we should be one way versus actually acknowledging the way that we are. And oh, uh, no, we're like that. Absolutely. No, you're like, like that. Uh, oh, yeah. you can't yeah. be as bad as we are. Please give no, me a No, we're actually focus. worse. Australia, Australia is the fattest country in the world now, Rob. Really? Yeah. yeah. We yeah, take the we, title. It's because, it's because we've exported everything that sucks about our food. Yeah, Australia and New Zealand have got some massive health challenges, like ma- bigger than you could ever imagine. And they're certainly, if not on par, probably going to supersede the, the United States in terms of disease progression. It's, it's out of control over here. Well, you know, this... this um, clean out the pantry thing sounds trite, but you know, people are not wired up for self-control. And so if you have tempting foods at home, like people don't lay in bed thinking about, you know, pork loin and chicken breast. They they dream (laughs) about like little Debbie snack cakes and and, you know, Haagen-Dazs ice cream. And so if you if you don't clean out the house, it's rare that I see people who with significant weight loss or body composition goals, it's rare that I see them succeed. And they will make excuses that the kids need them or, well, maybe my husband or my wife isn't on board or whatever. And it, it's all kind of bollocks, you know. They, they need to get in and, and just for like 30 days, clean out the house, bag up all that food, take it to the Jesus Center and accelerate the death of the homeless and, uh, uh, you know, get their own life on track. And shockingly, when they do that, everything else is better. Right. Yeah, I like that. I like that because I think all of us, myself included, can be pretty late at times so I think we need to play on that laziness and use it to our advantage and if it's not just right there in the pantry we tend not to go and, uh, and grab it which is great um, so Rob look one of the things I find when people are transitioning and trying to change their diet is they kind of look at this paleo diet thing and they go oh my god that's like you know they've just told 
me, I can't eat almost everything I currently eat. What can I actually eat? Like, do you have any tips for people as they're starting to transition of how to sort of how to break through that and make it a bit easier on themselves? First, people just need to step back and like calm down. Like they they just start freaking <laughs> out for like no no good reason at all. And and I. An exercise that I walk people through when I when I do my big kind of eight hour lectures is just the following, which is: Have you ever eaten scrambled eggs and fruit for breakfast? And people inevitably say, "Yeah, okay, I've had scrambled eggs and fruit for breakfast." Okay, have you ever had a salad with some some grilled chicken or grilled fish on top of it for lunch? Sure. Um, have you ever had some some ribs with a glass of red wine and some grilled veggies for dinner? Yes. So everybody has eaten, quote, paleo meals throughout their whole life. The thing is, is that they just haven't strung it together for breakfast, lunch, and dinner more days than not. So when, when people get all spun out about this, that, you know, they don't know how to do it or it's a really big change, it's really not true. I mean, it, it, you know, you, it, it's not a death sentence to have scrambled eggs or like a, a piece of like grilled salmon or, or grilled pork or something with some fruit for breakfast, you know, relative to like having a a bagel or a bowl of cereal, you know, it's not that big of a deal. So people just tend to get really spun up and they think that this is a way bigger change than what it really is. And it's not that difficult. You know, some scrambled eggs, bacon and fruit for breakfast seems pretty good. And usually you can get most people reasonably fired up about that, you know, and you, they have some good espresso with it and it, it's uh, satisfying and it gives them really good long lasting energy. They don't feel bloated from it. They don't get the uh, the uh, post-meal kind of carbohydrate crash where they get all fuzzy-headed and, and kind of rummy and whatnot. Um, are bagels and cereal and all that stuff super yummy? Yeah, totally. But it, it, uh, it doesn't mean that you're never going to eat that stuff again. But generally, if we can get people to eat more or less paleo for about 30 days, they tend to look, feel, and perform better. Uh, their biomarkers of health and disease go in a favorable direction, and then they can stand outside that event and look back and say, okay, the return on investment has been really good. More often than not, I'm going to eat like this because I, I like the results. And if they don't like it, that's fine. Like I, I, I don't want this to be a religion or people to do it out of a, a sense of obligation or like they're, they're doing something morally right. I want them to do it because it, it's kind of a hedonist way of living the best life that they can. And and then in that way, it's devoid of emotionality. It's devoid of morality and everything. Other than if this improves your life, then go for it. If it doesn't, then you did a thirty day experiment, and you can go keep doing what you were doing before. I, I like it. I, I love it. It's such a simple approach. And now I don't know, Rob, if if you know, but uh, about it was actually last year. I had the pleasure of uh, presenting with Lauren uh, here in Australia, in Queensland. Actually, we we're both on stage. I remember that? Yeah. 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 It was cool. I, you know, it was mind blowing for me to meet Lauren, and but also have the ability to share the stage with him to be able to, you know, communicate to a lot of people. And I've been in practice as a naturopath and chiropractor for, or more as a naturopath for probably fourteen years. And the things that I've seen in terms of shifts in trends with food is quite um, incredible. You know, we've gone through obviously one of the worst food um, pyramids we've ever seen or food guidelines in our life we'll, we'll ever see, which is the food pyramid, um, all the way through to uh, people being vegetarian, which is, of course, what we know now to be probably more dangerous than good for them. And now I've got, I've got mates who are actually doing vegan because they think it's healthy, which is incredibly challenging. 
a lot of people seem to think that blood type diet or paleo or anything like that that actually acknowledges genetics uh, or you know, acknowledges uh, the way in which humans have actually developed uh, is actually just a fad. And I suppose I... I mean, I, I handle it reasonably well, but I'd love for you to be able to t talk to the listeners now about, you know, is this really a fad or is this something that is, uh, is, something that is, is here to stay? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I always, I joke and I say paleo diet fad since 3 million BC. You know? <laughs> it, 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 so it, it, it just kind of stupefies me a little bit. It's like, do genetics influence the way that we respond to our environment, both with regards to, to food and exercise and sunlight exposure? And if you say no, then I, I think we need like a, a psychiatric evaluation. You know, it's it, di people with differing skin colors will be able to deal with differing amounts of UV radiation based on whether or not they will get a sunburn or not. They will also show signs and symptoms of vitamin D deficiency in the form of rickets at different rates. You know, people with lighter skin can, can have lower UV exposure and still produce enough uh, vitamin D to be rel relatively healthy and, and not showing overt signs and symptoms of disease. And then within that, we all know people that have eaten, uh, uh, you know, really horrific diets and they'll live to be 85 years old and they smoke and drink and still chase women around or, or men around for that matter. And, and uh, you know, but that's not me. If I lived like that, I'd be dead by, you know, I'm almost 40. I, I would be dead in, in pretty short order. So to not acknowledge the fact that we've got some sort of a genetic spectrum there, I think is is very silly. And, you know, it's, it's interesting out of Australia, I believe it was Leslie Aiello did an intervention with some of the uh, Aboriginal people there where these folks uh, were very, very healthy living their traditional life way. They were devoid of most cancers, diabetes, heart disease. This isn't some uh, wacky, uh, uh, uneducated opinion. This is just well understood anthropological fact that is kind of looked at by nutritional science as kind of a, a somewhat interesting aberration. And then it's never investigated, you know, until you get to people like Lauren Cordain and Boyd Eaton and folks like that. But these people are waylaid by uh, cancer, diabetes, and heart disease when they start eating a westernized diet, which the westernized diet is typically lower in fat, lower in animal products, higher in refined carbohydrates, higher in fructose, you know, all this type of stuff. But Leslie Aiello, if, if I'm remembering the uh, researcher correctly, took these, these uh, Aboriginal derivative folks who were living a more westernized environment, put them back in their, their ancestral environment, fed them ancestral foods, had increased their activity level, increased their sun exposure, uh, increased their sleep duration, and it completely reversed heart disease and type 2 diabetes in these folks. And so, and what we see is kind of an ordering, if you were Native American or Aboriginal of, of derivation, you've had very, very little time to adapt to these new, you know, kind of Neolithic foods, grains, legumes, uh, uh, dairy, uh, high fructose corn syrup, et cetera. And the way that you are impacted by these foods is very, very powerful, and it tends to happen early in life. If you are Middle Eastern in der derivation, then you tend to not see these problems until maybe your fourth or fifth decade in life. But they do absolutely catch up with you at some point. So are there genetic variations? Absolutely. But the default mode here is still the fact that we've got 3 million years living as, as essentially hunter-gatherers and, and uh, uh, hunter-scavengers where we, we didn't eat grains, legumes, and dairy in any significant amounts. We tended to eat lots of protein, uh, uh, which was rich in omega-3 fats, uh, uh, you know, nutrient-rich 
fruits, vegetables, roots, tubers, and then kind of a variety of food also. It wasn't the same food every day all the time, and we had occasional periods of, of uh, uh, you know, not eating food, you know, from, from days to maybe weeks. It was just kind of uh, planned into our, our uh, foraging. And higher activity level, more vitamin D, like all these things kind of fit together. And so we kind of need a systems-based approach instead of just simply, simply saying food or exercise or, or a community or whatever. You know, we need to really look at this stuff from an a ancestral perspective and look at how we developed as hunter-gatherers. For a lot of people, it's very uncomfortable. And, I, you know, on the, the kind of left-leaning, kind of liberal side, I think that people don't like it because they feel like our, our chakras are evolving and, and uh, you know, we're going to attain some higher plane of existence by, by trying to convert sunlight directly into energy, which I, I would love to export that ability to, like, sub-Saharan Africa or something like that. It would help a lot of people. It and would. then on the other on the other side, we've got this kind of, particularly in the United States, this kind of wacky, uh, ultra-right-wing kind of Christian scene, which they, they think that uh, uh, the planet's 4,000 years old and, and uh, evolution is a farce, you know, so long as chemistry and physics and engineering works, so long as you have inner, uh, you know, uh, ballistic missiles that you can launch around the planet and uh, GPS that works, but it doesn't apply to uh, uh, radiocarbon dating with, uh, you know, <laughs> anthropological finds. And so it's the <laughs> wackiest thing, like this, this idea of evolution via natural selection, nobody really likes it. You know, it doesn't, you don't get a lot of buy-in on it from any of the camps, either left, right, and only occasionally in the center. And then you sound like a nutcase when you put the idea forward. Well, actually, it's interesting to say that because Lauren actually spoke at the Congress about uh, you know using food as almost a weapon. So various tribes through various, um, I'm sure it was Lauren. I'm, in fact, I'm 100% certain it was Lauren. Was actually talking about um, various tribes in um, in South America and Central America actually taking through different types of grains and would actually knock out tribes. Um, you know, the, so that for me was that whole evolutionary phase of you know messing with food or trying different foods on and, and realizing that you know certain foods would disrupt longevity or health and well-being yeah and, and you, you know this stuff is pretty clearly understood in the anthropological record and then now we're at a we're if people aren't comfortable with the the anthropology or the evolution theme or whatever we can build this argument up from molecular biology too we can look at endocrinology we can look at uh, damage to intestinal health how that relates into uh, this process of uh, endotoxemia, basically kind of low-grade sepsis or infection that, that leads into systemic inflammation, which seems to underplay like everything from cancer to autoimmunity to neurodegenerative diseases. So we can explain this stuff from just a mechanistic molecular biology level, but still at the end of the day, this stuff, in, in my opinion, is driven via evolutionary forces, and that's where you really understand where this stuff comes from. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. You know, it's interesting you talk about the uh, the indigenous Australians because I've done a couple of talks down here. I've laid for some indigenous groups, and, and essentially it revolved around me saying to them, "Look, you guys have got you guys were doing it right. <laughs> you know, sort of go back to doing what you were doing. You know, except you know, bringing it into your modern world a bit." But um, look, one of the things I wanted to ask you about is um. You know, what are the key things in terms of our general population? You know, if there, if there were sort of three things you could say that people do wrong that have the biggest impact, what do you reckon the three things we do wrong are? Oh, man. You know, liquid calories, I think, is a bad, bad move. Yeah. You know, yeah. booze, uh, uh, coffee drinks, soda. You know, the, the liquid calorie is, is just yeah. death for people. Like, it, it's really rough. 
uh, more refined kind of grain products, refined carbohydrate products, I, I think are, are really, really nasty on a variety of levels from, from insulin dysregulation, but also some uh, uh, gut permeability and gastrointestinal damage. And then honestly, I think the other place that it is maybe the most, it, the greatest influence on this, and I'm, I'm debating between sleep or exercise, but I would actually say sleep. I, I think people sleep in inadequate amount uh, they don't sleep in a dark enough room, and this is actually causing some uh, uh, problems with the immune system, some problems with our endocrine system. And I, I think if you were to minimize liquid calories, try to avoid grains in general, but particularly refined grains, like if you ate more like yam and sweet potato and taro and, and fruit for your carbohydrates, I think you would do way better. And then if people went to bed a couple hours earlier and slept in a completely dark room, I think that that would be massively uh, uh, beneficial for their health. Mm -hmm. Just mm -hmm. staggering. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, nice. I think as a father of uh, two kids under three, I'm right <laughs> with you on the sleep one. Oh, man. <laughs> That's definitely my, where I go. Yeah. My wife's 21 weeks pregnant, and I'm alternating bouts of just terror and excitement because I know what I'm <laughs> in for on the sleep deprivation. So Nice. Is that number one, Rob, or have you got a couple already? It's it's the first one, man, and I'm right. four, I'm almost 40, so I'm like, dude, awesome. I, I should have had these when I was 20. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me tell you, let me tell you, Rob, there's uh, nothing that w we can say can prepare you for kids. <laughs> you just got to experience it. Thank you. I, I keep threatening my wife. I'm like, I think I might be on the road for about two years. At least I could sleep in the hotels then or something. Yeah. So, yeah. So, Rob, uh, on the flip side of that, that last question I asked you, what would be the three things you reckon people should, you know, we sort of spoke about the three things they should stop doing. What are the three things they should start doing? What are the three things they should add in perhaps to their diet or their exercise or their lifestyle that would make the biggest difference? You know, being outside as much as you possibly can, get sun on your skin and do it in, in a reasonable, intelligent way and kind of ramp up your exposure. The, the, the people who tend to get skin cancer are the folks that are like, pasty Seattle office workers who when the sun comes out they, they go outside and get scorched and then they don't see the sun again for like nine months those are the people that get tend to get skin cancer uh, uh, lifeguards uh, uh, you know construction workers tend not to get skin cancer because their their ramp up and ramp down is is a little bit more natural but I, I would be outside as much as you can get as much natural light as you can um, go to bed earlier uh, and, and uh, lift some weights uh, it, one of the worst things that happens to us when we age is actually a loss of uh, muscle mass. And, and within the lifting weights, I would say uh, both strengthen and mobilize. That, that I'm kind of sneaking in four things there. But, you know, like lift some weights, do a little yoga, maintain your, your mobility while also maintaining your muscle mass. And it doesn't take a lot. Like two full body weight, weight sessions a week is plenty to maintain some great muscle mass and strength. And then a couple of days of some yoga, a couple of days of like stomping around, chasing the kids and the, the dog around outside is a very, very healthy way to go. And it's not a frenetic pace. Um, it's fun. It should be really uh, uh, challenging, but it should give you way more than what it takes from your life. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's such... It's such simple things, so so simple, but and and so excellent actually, because a lot of people get so caught up about having to join a gym, or they get caught up about having to go and do CrossFit, or they get caught up about having to do insanity exercises, or go and do something, and really all you got to do is just get out there, and and you you're spot on, mate, and it's, it could certainly with what I would agree with, I, I 
don't want to tell you that you're spot on because you probably you are. But um, <laughs> it's, it's you know, nice to I, hear, though. It's good to hear. <laughs> But, you know, this is the sort of message that we're trying to get to everybody. Is And, you know, your message is very consistent with with our message, which is very consistent with a lot of other people's message. But it's fortunately, thank thank God for your book and for your presence of what you and both Lauren Cordain have been doing with spreading a message of great health and great well-being just through making simple genetic, um, you know, decisions that kind of just make sense. Uh, we're actually, we, I think we're getting there, which is which is a good thing. But... Maybe, maybe it seems a little bit too late, but you know, simple things like getting vitamin D is great because, of course, we know that more vitamin D decreases the risk of type 2 diabetes, heart disease, various types of cancers. You know, and in New Zealand last year, there was more than a dozen cases of rickets um, wow. that, that actually took place. We also know that there was scurvy um, in, in New Zealand last year uh, that was actually uh, diagnosed. And so there's so much processed food being eaten and not enough people going outside. Or if they do go outside, they've got a hat on, they're lathered with sunscreens, which are usually highly toxic anyway, um, or they're not spending enough time in the sun. So it's uh, there's a lot of big problems, but you've raised so many great points that actually should assist a lot of people to get some make you know make some massive changes yeah and you know it, it, it's right outside their door and, and the point about like joining a gym or a crossfit deal or something like that like good, crossfit's nice because there's community there and there's kind of accountability and stuff and so I, I see it being a little bit different but if you are kind of remote or you've got a really busy life or whatever you you don't need to do that stuff but to the degree i guess even you know it it to the degree that CrossFit's been successful, they have some smart training that's a little bit ancestral in, in a, a variety. You've got community, which is you know kind of tribal, and then uh, they tend to recommend some sort of a paleo-type diet, which is very, very beneficial. So even yeah. the success that you see there, you, you, uh, you've got kind of an evolutionary template that they're, they're working within, and I think that that's a lot of the reason why that uh, folks do it. Yeah. Well, th- Rob, thank like this just such great information i mean you know people who are listening on this call really just should check out the book um it's called the paleo solution the original human diet but you know what you know you can definitely get the book online we'll leave some links um on our below this podcast but one of the things that uh, rob you have a website that you that you you know obviously blog about every day pretty much i think robwolf.com and you know i just have to throw one uh caveat out there with my book for anybody kind of like british commonwealth kind of scene Mm. I use a term for um, the backside, uh, the bum. Yeah, <laughs> you do. Which is the front side over here? It's the front side for you folks, and I did not know that. And I almost got like literally like a pornographic NC seventeen type rating on my book. I had to do some very quick explaining. So when you read that, I'm really not being nearly as crass as what, what it appears. I'm being crass, but it's not that crass, just as a caveat. Okay. No, and so it's probably worth mentioning to people who are sitting there right now on the computer Googling you that it is R-O-B for Rob as well. So there's a double B there just for anyone. Yeah, there's, a, there's a stutter B, yes. 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 <laughs> <laughs> right. Go check out robwolf.com for sure. There's definitely lots of information there. you got some fr- um, free um, PDF um, that you can download as well. Sign up for his newsletters. It's great stuff, great information, and you can definitely get started. I mean, I think... Uh, you know, Rob's put up a challenge for you, everybody on the listening on the calls to basically go for 30 days. You know, try it for 30 days and see how you feel and, and make the changes and adapt accordingly. You know, because give uh, us your feedback. Yeah, give us your feedback. And for sure. uh, everything that folks need to do 30 days is available for free. We have a 30 day shopping guide. 
uh, a meal plan, um, how to tweak it if you're an athlete or if you're trying to lose body fat or if you have an autoimmune condition. So it, it's interesting. We did a little bit of metrics, and 40% of my book sales happen after people have done the uh, 30-day challenge and already received pretty much all the results that they want to get. And they, they really? got it off the free information. And then literally it was kind of like a deal where they were like, well, wow, I've got to do something for this guy. And so they bought the book anyway. Yeah. Well, that's great. Well, Rob, it's just amazing to see, you know, you making, you know, just great success in your life and, uh, you know, keep up the good work because uh, you're changing people's lives and I re really appreciate it. Yeah, well, thanks, thank you. And huge, huge honor to be on your show. Really, really. Uh, thanks for reaching out to me, guys. Okay, great. Well, I'll tell all the listeners, like always, please join us each week on thewellnessguys.com. Leave your comments below this episode. Let us, you know, tell us what you think about Rob and tell us what you think about uh, the paleo diet and, and have you tried it? You know, what are the things um, that you've done? And uh, maybe, you know, give us some of the recipes that you've actually used. And uh, of course, always like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Sign up for the notice of each episode and download us on iTunes because we want to catch up to Rob sooner or later <laughs> on our <laughs> podcast. We made number one in Australia. We're, gonna, we're going after Rob next. <laughs> you guys are way more qualified than I am, so it should not be difficult. <laughs> so until next week, again, uh, guys, begin well creating wellness into your lives. Lead by example, and let's change the world's health together. Join us next week on The Wellness Guy Show.